You're listening to another podcast. A podcast about horror movies and scary things. You put your headphones on and enter another dimension. A dimension filled with zombies, killers, ghosts, and creatures beyond your imagination. You've crossed over into the realm of mankind's deepest fears. There's an episode up ahead. You've now arrived at Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. I am your host, Luke. And with me, as always, I have my best buddy, Andy. How are you doing? Oh, God. <laughs> We're just going to do an entire podcast where it's going to be yes and no to... Two clocks for two <laughs> clocks for no and one clock for yes. <laughs> two clocks for no, one clock for yes. Just gonna do an interview here with with Charlie. Charlie, how you doing? <laughs> That's what I should have done. I should have just introduced you as Charlie. Charlie, how you doing? Charlie, you doing good? <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Um Charlie, put the goddamn pencil down. <laughs> uh put the pigeon head down. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, if if you don't know, well, you do know, uh, we always do this. Everybody knows. If you don't knows. know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. So today we're going to be talking about a pretty recent movie, um, part of the, uh, one of the, one of the recent films here that has kind of, um, I would say, uh, rejuvenated the horror genre a touch. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a new, it's a, it's a, it's a different, uh, it's a different type of horror film. It is one a different we, type of horror film. One that we haven't seen the likes of in, in, I think a while. Um, yeah. similar, be, similar to the witch, which we talked about. Yes. Similar, yes. similar, and somewhat aesthetically. Absolutely. Actually, I've got a whole thing I want to talk about the similarities oh, between the witch and hereditary. Um, but we'll get a list. We got a list. Lists are always fun, aren't they? Yeah. I'm just going to Number 67. <laughs> um, but the Miss movie Lippy's car is green. Miss Lippy. So the movie, we haven't even talked about what movie we're doing. Um, the movie we are talking about today, the movie we are talking about this evening on <laughs> Nexus of Nightmare with Luke and Andy is Hereditary. Hereditary, starring Tony Collette. Directed by and written by Ari Aster. Um, I feel like there should be a comedy, should turn it into like a comedy uh, trailer where it's like, Hereditary, starring Tony Collette and Millie Shapiro. That's what it's one on, it's one on, it's one on. You'll laugh your head off. Just some sort of montage at some point that's like, oh, I get it. And there'll be a montage at some point in the trailer with Benny Hill music and and all of the craziest shit that happens in this movie. <laughs> just yeah, which just is Tony mostly Collette chasing <laughs> Tony Collette chasing Alex Wolf through the house. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. There are a lot of decapitations in this movie. Oh, and spoiler spoiler alert. Yeah, of course. Um, but lots of lots of heads separating from the show. A number. Yeah, like, a, n- a number of heads. Like, like almost more all, than like one. All, not all of them, but enough. Mm. Enough. Yeah. What do we got? We got uh, 
We got two head. We got two severed heads. Uh, uh, self emulation. Not immolation. Really self, yeah. Not really self. Not really self immolation, but uh, but accidental fire. death. Death by fire. Yes. And uh, what else? Who else dies? I don't know. Is that it? That's really it. It's just I guess the family. that's it. It seems like more than that, but I mean, uh, Queen Lee dies before the movie starts, right? From presumably natural causes. Yeah, I don't know about that. I guess they don't really say. They say no. she was batshit crazy by the end, but <laughs> batshit crazy. Oh right, Queen yeah, she Lee. Had dementia, or did she? Maybe or she just seemed she? like she had dementia. Maybe, but it was really just demons. Deep demons. Deem demon incha. I don't know. I get Anyways, it. Anyways. That was a I'm bit glad. of a stretch, I, I, but I yeah, get it. I, I'm glad. Thank you. Um, so, yes, Hereditary is the movie we were talking about today, and uh, this came out in 2018. It's true. Um, not lying to you, folks. These are real facts. <laughs> we're not going to lie to you about things. We, we might, we might, uh, we might stretch the truth. And, oh, and I'll we'll, fib on you. And we'll bullshit. But we won't we will not outright deliberately lie to you. No. That's a that's a promise. That's, um, a, that's a guarantee. That's the so, Luke and Andy guarantee. <laughs> so you had never seen this movie before. I'd never seen this movie before. This was, I believe, the third time I watched it. I when I watched it this week. And after watching it once, I don't know how you brought yourself to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. I well so I was so when I found out about this movie, it, it was so it was very much the same way as like The Witch, where I remember, um, I remember the marketing for it. I remember you know just being a horror fan and seeing a trailer this is for the that. scariest fucking movie you've ever <laughs> <Yeah>. seen. <laughs> Basically, just um, just like we of, said with The Witch, it was just it wasn't even yeah. a trailer. It was just video footage of <laughs> secret video footage of people throwing up in the throwing theater. up and shitting you'll, their pants. You you will shit your pants and run out of the theater. If you don't shit your pants by the end of Hereditary, we'll give you your money back. (laughs) If you're uh, not trying to decapitate yourself with piano wire by the time this movie's over. uh, Decapitate yourself or someone else. Um, (laughs) Or your loved ones. Or yourself or your loved ones. (laughs) If you're not trying to sever, sever your own head from your shoulders or someone that you love and hold dear... Then you get your money back. Full that's, refund. That's an A24 promise. Um, <laughs> that's an A24 stamp of approval. Guarantee. So, yeah, this is another A24 film, uh, much it like is. The Witch uh, coming out. Uh, so, wait. Let me, so, The Witch was originally released in 2015, but I don't think it actually hit th- theaters wide until 2016, right? Sure. So, I think that was... So, I think The Witch came out... in. February of 2016 and Hereditary I think came out in like May I want to say May of 2018 hmm. um and so I I met but I I vividly remember like the marketing campaigns for both and being really excited for both um and and I saw it with my buddy from work when it first came, when it first came out, and then I saw it because it was so crazy and fucked up. I wanted to see it again, but with I, I saw it with my wife, 
So I saw it twice in the theater, and actually, so I'm pretty sure that this, when I watched it this week in preparation for the episode, I'm pretty sure that was the first time I had seen it, like, at home, Mm. like, um, and, uh, and I had done some, I was kind of, like, reading up about it, because it had been a little bit, um, I was reading up about it before watching it again for the third time. And and I picked up on so much stuff like that I had missed. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think. I mean, it's it's one of those movies that um, rewards you with uh, multiple viewings. Yes, it's 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 meticulously crafted from beginning to end. Yeah, there's so many a lot of little layers. details and yeah, yeah. Um, which it, it's in it's kind of um, <laughs> this movie is not like. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say this movie is entertaining or uh, I I hesitate to say that this movie is fun (laughs) because it's very dark and disturbing, but there is like a fun element. There's some kind of weird fun element to me to it uh, because of all of the Easter eggs and all the little details and all the little hints and stuff like that. It makes it fun to kind of watch it multiple times and and look at it and really kind of analyze it because there are so many like little little details um that kind of um foreshadow uh what's what ends up happening in the movie yeah and so it, it's a weird movie to say like it, that it's fun to watch or or it, it, I mean, it, some people would look at this movie and be like, "I don't want to ever fucking watch this again." <laughs> like, yes, like you watch it once and you're done. But I kind of think that, and I can totally see that. But I, I actually kind of, um, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it. I think, and I think it works really well upon uh, multiple viewings. But I think so. To go to to kind of go off that though, um, it's not. I mean, it's it's pretty scary, and it's pretty demented in some ways. But it's not the type of movie, like, the beauty of it is it's not like one of these movies where you're, where it's, like, people getting hacked up, and you're like, I never need to see this again. Like, yeah. that made me think of, like, just, you know what I mean? Like, it was just brutal and gory and disgusting, and like, oh, it's just, ugh. I yeah. never need to watch that again. It's... It, it's more, it's more, it's more based in the, the story of these people's lives and your attachment to them that makes it scary. Watching, watching unfold what is unfolding and kind of feeling the inevitability of it is what makes it scary. And kind of once you, once you finish it all and you kind of have the catharsis of like, oh, it's happened and these people are done for Right. I feel like it would be a lot easier to watch it again. You know, yeah, like yeah. I could definitely see people being like, I don't ever want to watch that movie again, right. but it's not as bleak. It's, it's definitely bleak, but it, it but it's overall absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely, absolutely bleak. It's absolutely but, bleak. And, but it doesn't have that same kind of, no, no one wins here except for payment no. and his cult. <laughs> right. They are but the it winners. doesn't have that same kind of gory, disturbing factor that some, some movies have that you're just like, I never need to, see that again you know what i mean like i think movies like hostile and saw and like stuff like that where it's like you know these movies are just hacky gory garbage that like you know you're just like i don't need to put that in front of my face again whereas this is much more like you know once you get through it you're kind of like it's a lot different i almost think that like 
the those more shallow and and I wouldn't necessarily uh, lump Saw into that into that category, but I mean like, like the franchise, not the I know movie. What you, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean though. Um, but like to me, I almost think like um, stuff like you know the Freddy Krueger movies, the Freddy Krueger movies, the the Freddy Krueger films. <laughs> um, uh, but you know the Nightmare on Elm Street films and and uh, Friday the Thirteenth, obviously, and you know and and other kind of slashers like that that. Are, where you have a lot of just disposable characters that are just killed yeah. off. And that to me is kind of almost in a way easier to watch because you don't have any attachment to the characters. You Right. It's, oh yeah. Whereas like, this is almost kind of like, it's harder to watch because you are, you become invested with these characters in this family. And, and then you see them, you see the, the family kind of tear each other and, apart and kill each other and i guess um, what i'm saying what i'm saying is like the first time you watch it you absolutely feel that way you're like it's it's yeah it sucks it's hard right 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 but i feel like after you've kind of gotten over that fact there's nothing in the movie that's like so grim or so awful that you feel like i can't watch it again especially like you said there is an allure of like all these signs pointing that direction mm-hmm. through the whole film. And it's kind of like, you want to see that again. And there's not, a, there's not that much to like kind of dissuade you from doing that. I mean, you know? I, I agree, but I also kind of disagree. Um, I, I agree that there's, you know, there's that element to it that makes you want to revisit it. But I also kind of disagree where you say that there isn't something so bad that you don't want to see it again. To me, well, <laughs> to me and that brings us to you know when you talk about hereditary if you're gonna if you're gonna sit and and discuss hereditary you can't do that without talking about the character Tony Char- <laughs> oh. well yeah but you can't do that without talking about the the um the character of charlie and and her death um right because you know, when I saw this in the movie, I mean, so and I, I, I want to get your take on this too, um, because you're you just watched it for the first time here, uh, you know, several years later, um, and I don't know how much you knew about it, but like I didn't know anything going in. Like I had seen, I had seen a trailer for it, um, and and that was probably about it. Um, and so the so the, the going back to you know we talked about the A twenty four marketing on the witch and um they did so i didn't really i didn't really like how they marketed the witch um i mean it was successful right um but i thought it was a little um i didn't think it was very accurate and uh with with the with the marketing for hereditary i thought it was brilliant um they kind of it again it's kind of misdirection but I think it's misdirection in the best way possible. So right. the tra- I don't know if you saw the trailers for Hereditary before watching the movie. I mean, I probably did in 2018, but yeah. I don't really remember. So I didn't really remember much about the movie other than like images that I'd seen and stuff on the internet. So the marketing, I'm cracking open a beer here. So the marketing for um, snap, snap uh, for Hereditary was kind of brilliant actually because they really f- heavily focus on the character of Charlie. 
they make right. it seem like Charlie is going to be like the lead character. Right. Um, and she's dead in, within the first 30 minutes of the movie, basically. Right. You know, a quarter, it's a two hour long movie. So a quarter of the way into the movie, she's dead. And so yeah. I was not expecting that. Like that really no. threw me for a loop. I don't know if I you was, were, I was, I don't know if you were I expecting was, that. I was not. I was fully expecting her to be a main character. I mean, yeah. she's on the picture of the yeah of the cover of the yeah. That's the other the thing movie. too, which another kind of brilliant marketing kind of. And it's you know, and then you've got the whole creepy kid factor. I mean, Millie Shapiro. Millie Shapiro is a great actress. I mean, in one of the behind the scenes things, Ari Aster's like the best thing I can say about Millie Shapiro is like the way Charlie comes across on screen is like you people think that she is charlie like she think they think yeah. that that's who she is that's how she acts and that, and she she's nothing like that she's a, right. she's a 12 13 year old girl she's like he was like she would finish a scene and she would kind of like jump up and be and like yeah. you know and kind of do like a pose and like be all crazy and bubbly and 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 so it's like she she plays the character very well and so when I saw, you know, from what I knew about the movie, I was expecting like, oh, another creepy kid movie, you know? Yeah, right. Because that's the way it's kind of framed is like this, yeah, you know, absolutely. oh, what's 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 haunting this child kind of thing, you know? What right, is, right. And to some extent, that part was accurate. Yeah. But you expect it to be like kind of a long played out like, yeah. you know, this kid's going to like torment this family or she's got powers or, you know. There's right. a ghost that's trying to get her, you know, or her family through her or something. Those are the sorts of things that you feel are coming. And that is not the case. Yeah. No. Um, so, <laughs> so I mean, I when I saw the movie for the first time and that scene happens, um, again, we've talked about spoilers. We've already mentioned spoilers, but I'm going to mention it again here. Um yeah, when she is decapitated, um, I mean, I think the the great thing about that scene is uh, is it it really puts you in in the shoes of Peter, the brother, yeah, yeah. Um, who's driving the car at the time, and um, and it just it really lets you sit with those feelings and the aftermath yeah. of of that event like it like it happens and then you know there's like a long shot of like him like close up of his face in the car and he's just like sitting there breathing really hard and he like at one point he kind of goes to look in the rearview mirror because her body <laughs> is still in the back seat of the car right and like there's this kind of like first person perspective shot of him kind of starting to look up to like the rearview mirror and then he kind of looks back down again and um and just that whole i mean that whole scene there after that happens with him sitting there and just kind of like you it's like you are peter and and for that extended period of time like you feel the way that he does you're just like sitting there i mean my i mean i'm not i'm totally being i'm not exaggerating at all like my mouth dropped when that scene happened when I saw it for the first time in the theater. And I was just like, I was just shocked. And, and so I'm in this state of like, you know, of just disbelief and shock. Right. And you're right there, right along with him. 
Yeah, and then he he proceeds to just drive home. He drives home, and he gets out of the car, and he just goes into the house, and it's just all very, it's all very like deliberately paced. Like there's no rushing yeah. it. It's all just very like, and he and he just like kind of collapses on his bed. And then it like kind of dissolves to him, like he's still awake in the morning. And then, and then you hear the mom, you know, kind of downstairs. And you hear you just you're just like waiting. You're like, oh my god, like right. She's gonna just she's just get, she's gonna walk out there and she's gonna just like discover the body of the headless body of her fucking daughter in the car, right. like. And they don't show it, you know, you just, it's all just on his face, like laying in bed, but it's just like you're that, still with him. You're yeah, still, you're still you're waiting him. just like yeah. he is you're waiting still with to him. hear that. Exactly. Knowing and, that it's coming. And so like that whole scene, I, I mean, that whole extended kind of, you know, scene is, is uh, to me brilliant and like, and just very disturbing and, yes. and just, and just tragic and just like really, um, just very emotionally charged and, and just, a, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, it's just a very heavy scene, but it's yeah. just like it, it, uh, it leaves a mark. Yeah. I mean, people use the phrase, you know, it was like, Oh, it's like a roller coaster to describe like action movies and things like that. And when they say that they mean like, Oh, it's got like ups and downs and like, you know, you know, it's kind of a thrill ride sort of thing. And I would say this movie's like a roller coaster in that, of terror. Of, of terror. <laughs> um, this movie's like a roller coaster in that you kind of get that giant hump at the beginning. Yeah. You get that giant, like, anxiety building. Because that whole, you know, leading up to that part where she's kind of, because you didn't mention, but the whole reason that he's driving her is yeah, because yeah. she's ha- she's she's having an allergic reaction and her throat's closing. So you're already, right. like in this suspenseful mode for like yeah. five minutes that she's going to die because she's having this allergic reaction. And so it, that's like the upswing. And then, you know, and then she does die in a completely different and horrific way. And it's kind of like the, 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 you know, the a super fast downswing. And then yeah. the rest of the movie is just like the momentum from that. You know, it's all just momentum built from that one event that kind of twists and turns and, you know, goes flying all over. the place. It's not up and down like a roller coaster necessarily, but it's like twisting and turning and and, just, yeah. you know, you're never quite sure where it's going. But you feel that every every ounce of power that the movie has comes from that, you know, f- 10 minutes of, of scene. Um, and so it's 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 incredibly powerful. And like you said, I, I mean keeping it basically on Peter for those five, 10 minutes and feeling what he feels, you know, and, and it really, that's your signal too, that like, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of the main character, you know, he's kind of the important piece of this story is kind of at that point when it trades off, kind of trades off to him and his perspective. Yeah. And now you're stuck, stuck with him and his journey it's to me it's it's crazy and it's just uh i guess it just goes to show you like um how talented Ari Aster is the director and writer um it is so it, it's so hard 
to uh, continue a movie right. after something like this happens. Right. Like something like this happening. It, and it kind of reminds me, it reminds me a bit of um, not so much the movie, but the novel uh, Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. where you have like this terrible thing, this like a death of a child that that happens fairly early on. And you're like, oh my god! Like, like how do, how do you move on from that? Like, it's right. and it's so and you know, Pet Cemetery is is so steeped in in grief, and um and and there is a, a good portion of the of that novel that that deals with that, and it's 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 really hard to get through that portion of the novel because it's just like it's so fu- and and if you have kids, especially if you have kids. And you can directly relate to that. Um, right. It's really hard to get through that section of the novel, but but then the be- and, and it's kind of the same way with this movie is that he's able to. So you have this terrible, traumatic, tragic event happen: the death uh, of a child, and um, and. Uh, and you kind of deal with you 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 have the characters kind of process that grief a little bit, but what kind of keeps the movie from just and what keeps you know Pet Cemetery by you know comparison, um, what keeps that both of those things from going down this just like super depressing like just like slog <laughs> of right. you know what I mean, of a finish is that then that's when they start introducing the more supernatural elements which right. help to kind of alleviate that just like right heavy that heavy depressing <laughs> drama you know what i mean um yeah it, it kind of it kind of and it kind of is like a it's kind of a relief to the reader or the viewer too cuz you're like oh well this can't possibly be real yeah you know what i mean like oh you know eh, some of this that couldn't happen like right. up until this point you're like well this shit could happen right exactly and it could happen to me Right, right, <laughs> and That's, then it kind of gives you a little reprieve because you're like, no, 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 this because you know, then you pinhead, have these pinhead shows up, and you're like, well, <laughs> pinhead's not real, and you yeah. get kind of a little bit of a relief where you're like, okay, now I'm, you're not taken out of it, right, and you, and no. if anything, you still believe it and you still right. feel it, but as a viewer, you're given a little bit of a reprieve and yeah. like you're not necessarily going to like bring it home with you as much, yeah. you know, it, it does help like by by injecting that. Uh, that certain that level of fantasy, that level yeah. of kind of supernatural, um, right. it's 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 not like my girl, you know, where it's like kind of a comedy drama, and then Macaulay Culkin dies, and you're ten years old, and you're watching it, and you're like, well, f- I'm fucked up for life. Um, it's a it's a little it's a little easier to swallow than that because it kind of takes a little bit of a turn. Yeah, you know? it takes the edge off. I think takes the uh, takes the edge off, and so like a nice cabernet, <laughs> and so yeah, with um, and also with both movies, or with both movies, I should say, with with Pet Cemetery the book, <clears throat> you have the idea of oh, I can, I can bring them back, right? So you have this little bit of hope, and and Hereditary is kind of the same way. I, spoiler alert: it's not a good idea. No, no, don't do this. We, I think we've talked about Pet Cemetery before in past episodes, and like, uh, like Fred Gwynn, Herman Munster, 
Sometimes dead is better. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes dead is better. Um, but, um, but Hereditary is kind of similar in that there is this kind of portion, there's a portion of the movie um, where there is kind of like this, this, uh, this feeling of, oh, maybe I can, I can contact her. I can contact Charlie right. and I can, you know, I mean, there's like, there is, there is that certain level of like optimism and, and positivity. I mean, if we're there being realistic, you know, nobody thought that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was nobody in the audience that was like, you know, this is going to turn this out is, great. <laughs> this is probably going to work out. <laughs> but still, like, there is a little bit of that, you know, kind of, although the whole movie is, you know, the whole movie kind of has this feeling to it, like, just from the very beginning of just, like, doom and gloom, like, oh, you yeah. know. I mean. Well, Ari Aster pitched the movie as a, 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 what was it, a sacrifice story told from the perspective of the the uh, ritual uh, lamb uh, uh close a little bit backwards a possession a long-lived possession ritual told from the perspective of the sacrificial lamb ah yeah there it is there it is you you had it you had it uh, i don't have notes in front of me so oh. you're, you're a better man than i i got it you gotta have the notes i don't take notes it's, what do you, you think I'm, you're better than me? I know I'm better than you. Yeah. But that's got nothing yeah, to do with the that's notes. That's true. Um, but that's, I mean, but that's the truth is, is you know, in any 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 interview you hear him give about this or any behind the scenes thing you hear him talk about this, the whole point of the movie is, not the whole point. I shouldn't say the whole point of the movie. A huge factor in the movie, one of the things that is meant to be conveyed almost overtly to the audience is the inevitability of what is happening to these yeah. people. Like there's the years you should feel from the beginning and you do that. Whatever's happening, whether you understand it or not, these people are not getting away from it. There's, yeah. there's, ne- there's never an ounce of uh, a point where you're like, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be all right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to feel that you're supposed to pretty much feel from the get go. Like, yeah, this is yeah. going, this is just going to keep going. Yeah, and and and, and uh, I mean, we talked. To, well, we didn't really talk too much about, but like, um, so Ari. So this is Ari Aster's first movie as well. Talk, you know, kind of relating to to the witch. Um, his first had, feature. His film. first feature. Yeah, he had he had done some other, you know, kind of um, short films and, and stuff, and all of them dealing with just crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so. You know, I, he had been kind of well, and and I think uh, I, I don't know if that was the case with Robert Eggers in The Witch. I, I, actually, no, I, it wasn't. But like, he had kind of wanted to do uh, certain types of you know dramas, and yeah, um, and he and then he realized, and I I think he had trouble getting getting stuff off the ground, uh, certain you know other projects off the ground. And eventually he just kind of realized that, um, you know, the best way to kind of get something made was to uh, kind of put it in, um, make it make it like a genre movie, you know, make it yeah. like, uh, and in this case, a horror film. Um, right. and, he, and he just felt that, you know, he figured that it would be easier to, to, 
to get something like that financed. And, um, and he also talked about how, you know, he kind of likes working within genres like the, like the horror genre, because you have, you kind of have this like built in, you have these built in expectations from the audience of, of like what to, what do you, what to expect from a certain type of film. And so, when you know, when, if a movie like this is being marketed, excuse me, as a horror film, yeah, then you can you can use that to your advantage, yeah, and and then you know you can turn and twist yeah. things when there's when there's and, set rules, it's easier yeah. to manipulate and subvert the rules, right? Because the audience gets kind of complicit. In in yeah. in in the the within that genre and like they're like yeah. okay well this is what I am going to this is what I sh- I should expect and you just your right. brain kind of naturally goes to okay this is so this is probably going to happen something like yeah this. it's it's the tropes yeah and that's why that's why Millie Shapiro is great because I mean she played Charlie great but again she was a perfect you know she's 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 got a unique look you know she's she's an interesting girl you know. And and you see her in the trailer, and you're like, oh, spooky kid movie. Like right. it's it's dead on, you know. Yeah. And it's just super yeah. easy to then take that and completely subvert it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, that's I mean that's one of the powers of of this movie is that it you know it 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 does that it takes and I to me this movie is much more of a horror film, much more of a much more of a traditional horror film. Than like say the witch, um, yes. This has more overtly horror, horror elements, yeah, to it. Um, in, in I my mean, mind. it's it's pretty well straight up a possession story. I mean, right. it's 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 very much, you know, uh, and it even a, does a, pers- a personal haunting, you know. And, and later in the movie, it really kind of does kind of go over the top. A little it bit. It gets nuts. Yeah, it gets pretty nuts, and it almost it, gets, it kind of falls into more of the traditional kind of yeah. tactics. Um, I will say, and I and I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm saying that as a negative or a positive. You know what I mean? Like, because um, no, I think it's it's well done. It's brief enough. Yeah, I mean, so so we. I guess. You know, it's we're kind of beating around the bush. I mean, the fact of the matter is, what the 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 whole point of the the whole plot of the movie is that Charlie there there Charlie was is not a little girl. Charlie is is a vessel for this demon king named Payman, who was essentially you know summoned and and given this little girl's newborn or unborn or infant body by Tony Collette's mother who right. has died at the beginning of the, of the film. And, you know, so this demon has, is essentially living in Charlie and, and has and, and living as Charlie yeah, for the first 13 years of its life, not knowing who it is or what it is just living. So explaining her eccentricities and then once in and, and the whole plot of, and Charlie dying and everything that happens thereafter is an entire plot by a cult coven of people who 
were led by Tony Collette's mother mm-hmm. um, to kind of take this demon king and supplant him from Charlie into the older brother, Peter. Which because is this kind of... demon king. Oh, good. I was just gonna say because this demon king prefers a male host. Right. Doesn't want to be in a in a female. Right. That was the kind of that was the plan all along. That um, was the plan all along. But because of their relationship, Tony Collette, Annie Annie was her character's name, Annie wouldn't let her mother get near yeah. the son. They had had this terrible relationship. She wouldn't let let her anywhere near him. Finally she had as they as she gotten older and, and the son had gotten older, she kind of broke down and let her come come around. Yeah. And at that point she gets pregnant again and that's when she's able to because there's something in I I I wonder if I remember correctly there was something in one of the books that Tony Collette was reading so it, during kind of the turn you know she's finding all this stuff out through her mother's old books and it says something about the the host has to be vulnerable or something so you yeah. get this impression that like you know the unborn or newborn Charlie was an easy host because it was vulnerable. And, and the whole point of the movie is essentially breaking down Peter to the point where he's right, where he can, he's, he's vulnerable and he can't put up a fight. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's where the, so that's where the movie goes. (laughs) That's where, and then at the end is the entire, is just this entire craziness where, um, you know, the husband burns alive and and uh, Tony Collette becomes essentially breaks down to the point where she gets possessed at one yeah. point. And then, you know, the cult and her chase Peter essentially force him to jump out of a window. And then um, she kills herself by decapitating herself with piano wire. And and then payment is able to move to the now vulnerable Peter's body. Right. Um, but as, as having been, you know, after having possessed Peter, payment is still Charlie payment still doesn't know what the fuck is going on. (laughs) So they, you know what I mean? They, they kind of have this ritual and at the end they're all the, the cult is kind of coaxing him, you know, telling, explaining to him what's happening. And he's kind of got this look on his face. Like he doesn't know. And they talk, they call him Charlie too. And he's kind of got this look on his face. Like he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Um, <laughs> and so you get this impression like he's still, you know, you know, having, having been around, you know, on the earth for 13 years, you know, he's, he's finally, you know, and now in possession of this body that he will want, um, he's finally just coming to his senses, you know, and they're going to, and this cult is going to be able to get everything they want out of him. Cause that was kind of the whole point Yeah, is that these, these creatures, these demon gods, uh, can demon king creatures can essentially like give you things they're they're in in folklore they're kind of they're they're kind of like genies almost yeah you know they're 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 demons but they're kind of magicians or witches could summon these things and each one of these creatures you know the thought was they all had their own specialties and their own special powers and if you could get one of them to show up and get them in the right place in the right mood they give you the shit that they were capable of giving them you know right. they could give you power they could give you wealth they could give you, you know, right. ability in battle all these things and yeah. so that's this cult is their hope is they've got them now and they can and this is all like this is all stuff that's not really explicitly said 
It is not explicitly in, said in at all. You don't find out this about um, this until like the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah, I mean, there is some, like you said, there there are some kind of see, uh, scenes of um, exposition where mm-hmm. she kind of comes across her mother's books and um, right and stuff like that. And but um, but yeah, um, so one of you know talking about like the cult and stuff is that's really. That's really interesting because because they were all nude. (laughs) They were mostly nude. (laughs) Mostly, they're mostly nude. Mostly, Um, mostly. So, yeah. So, you know, when you get to the end of this movie and you're like, "Holy shit!" You know, you're you're just so wrapped up in the most recent of crazy bullshit that's happened in the movie that. That's why, you know, we talked about watching the movie multiple times, watching yeah. it again and knowing what happens and everything and knowing right. about the cult. It's it's very it's much more rewarding, I think, because you have uh scenes like the beginning of the movie where um, you know, they're at the the funeral for the grandmother, um, right. Tony Collette's mom's character. And um and there's she kind of you know she mentions that her mom was like a, a, a secretive person, and she's mentioned she mentions that oh I, I see a lot of like new faces you know like strange faces right at the funeral meaning that most likely that these were probably people from the cult <laughs> yeah that she had no idea that her mother belonged to, um, and yeah. there's this there's this cr- creepy shot that is just it's like. It's one of those things that you could just easily just you at first you're like what the fuck is that and then you just kind of the movie kind of moves on and you don't really think about it much anymore but there's right. like the shot of this guy like creepily at the at the funeral creepily smiling at Charlie right. when Charlie's at at in front of the casket looking at her her dead grandmother yep. there's she like looks over and there's like this fucking creepy dude just like smiling at her and later yep. in the movie Naked. You, you see that guy naked, like in the doorway at the end of the movie when all the when the shit hits the fan and the cult shows up at the fucking house. You 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 see that that guy like with the same fucking shit eating grin on his face. Yeah. Um. Naked. Naked. But naked this time. And uh, <laughs> and it's just it's stuff like that that is like you know you know just yeah to me is like holy shit like because it's. Like you, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I I didn't process that the first time I saw it. You know, no. like when you because I it, didn't remember it until just now. Because it's like it's the beginning of the movie that happens at the beginning of the movie, and then you have you don't have that that kind of link to it until the very end of the movie. When and in between, right. so much shit has happened, you can't right. possibly process all that or even like pick up on it the first time around. But like, but it's there. Like a lot of other little details and stuff like that, and that's that's kind of to me what makes it uh, a, a fun movie to revisit, even though like it's really horrible and there's terrible things happening. Well, I, I mean, and the other thing, you know, to go back to the, you know, Charlie dying. The other thing is, once you've gotten to the end and you've seen all that, you realize there was no Charlie. Mm-hmm. There's no like this is not a little girl. It was payment. Yeah, you it was payment all along. Right. Yeah. So it's not like that's you know, true. If you want to be sad for Charlie, you know Charlie was gone before she was ever born. <laughs> yeah, know? basically. I don't. I don't know when. Like that... Ari Aster even said that he's like in kind of a, somebody was like, well, in kind of a weird way, you know, it's you know, 
so it's you know it's not as quite as depressing you know because <laughs> yeah. charlie doesn't really die and he's like well you know there was still a charlie that was displaced at some point yeah i don't know they never really talk about exactly when like that transference no, it's happened it's very ambiguous but you get the impression that it was very early yeah um because again there's a mention there's some kind of mention of vulnerability i remember yeah. And and you get the impression that it was should have had to be early in life. And there's also the whole one of the creepiest things that happens in the beginning of the movie. So they they've got all these miniatures that that you know kind of mirror what happens in real life. One of the first miniatures you see that's kind of unsettling is a miniature of Tony Collette with a baby. Oh you yeah. Know, so again, this is a miniature model, Tony Collette with a, nursing a baby in her bed, and an old woman like standing next to the bed with her breast out, yeah. like wanting to nurse the baby. And Tony Collette had said earlier in the movie, like, Oh, she always wanted to feed you. And right. she was always feeding you and like taking care of you. And then like a little bit later, a couple scenes later, you see like, Oh, she was like breastfeeding her. Yeah. So this goes back to that whole. So at that point, you know, at this infant that's breastfeeding, you know, Charlie's an infant that's breastfeeding is payment. And, and and the grandmother is like wanting to breastfeed, like that's the creepy level. That yeah. So then you get back to the smiling guy, and you're like, oh yeah, these God. people are weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking creepy. Um. Yeah, and there's like there's a lot of other stuff too. Um. Like. Um, so I'm trying to think of when it was. It was um. Oh man. It was. It had to do with the character of Joni. Who Joni? Who is so? She's a lady. Her so her character is kind she's, of like she's a lady. She's a lady. <laughs> she's a lady. <clears throat> um, she uh, so she's kind of introduced as like this person who, um, and I think they did a really good job of that, like introducing her character and yeah, and kind of like you know she's not it's she's not one of those characters where they introduce and you're like okay that bitch is crazy and she's right. got a you know she's got ulterior motives um no she initially comes off as very authentic yeah yeah in the, in the first like, scene she's in you're like yeah right yeah and so she so she kind of meets annie tony collette's character um outside of like um like a i don't know grief counseling yeah grief counseling kind of like a like group gr- therapy group therapy kind of like a alcoholics anonymous but for grief, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, and she kind of, you know, ends up saying like, you know, she lost her son and and grandson, you know, a year or two before, and um, blah blah blah, and just kind of sets up this kind of sets up this whole kind of narrative for herself, and and just saying like, you know, I'm here if you you know if you need somebody to talk to gives her contact information and, and stuff like that. And, um, and then, you know, she ends up like running into her at like an art, art supply store. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it just kind of like the relationship kind of develops from there. And this is all kind of like, you know, secretive to the rest of the, like the, the rest of the family doesn't know that like Annie's going to this grief counseling and she's like, nope. kind of keeps it secret. And, um, and so, you know, she ends up, she ends up kind of forming this relationship with this, with this other woman 
um, who kind of has gone through a similar thing or is saying that she's gone through a similar thing. Um, and that's, she's the one that kind of introduces like the whole seance thing. And, um, and, uh, and then, you know, you, what you end up finding out that this lady is part of the cult and she has kind of been trying to, you know, plant these ideas into Annie's mind in terms of like, you know, doing this like kind of seance where you, you know, summoning and, and, and all that jazz. But like, um, yeah, that, that, that whole thing I think is, is pretty like, you know, creepy and well done. And like, it's a, it's a slow kind of like progression of like, it's very slow where you kind of like, at first you think, Oh, this is like, you know, this is a good thing. It's another positive thing. Like, and then it just kind of slowly kind of takes on this dark, yeah, edge this dark kind of tone to it, and you realize, oh shit, you know, this is fucked. This yeah, is even fucked up. And the the second time she meets her, you're kind of like, this lady's not right, you know. But you don't have enough to go on. You just kind of feel uneasy about her. Yeah. And then they do the seance part, and even then, you're like, I I am a viewer of this movie, and I know it's going in a fucked up direction. Yeah, and having a seance in a horror movies again, going back to the whole, yeah. the whole you know, and even the whole audience expectations, like having a seance in a horror movie is not a good thing. Right. But you still kind of feel like she's plays the character sweet enough and like trustworthy enough that you're kind of like, well, you know, maybe you, it is. But maybe, you can even maybe see, this lady's trying to help. But you can even see in that scene with the seance at at Joni's apartment, you can even see that the character of Annie is unsettled by it. Like, yeah. And kind of, she, she eventually is disturbed, kind of like creeped out by, it, you know? <clears throat> right. She definitely is. But then she ends up coming around to it and, right. And ends up kind of doing, you know, her own seance at the house and, and, and like you do. And, and you know, getting and waking up her husband and, and Peter in the middle of the night to like, you know, take part in this. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, that's kind of creepy to think that like, like, what was that? What, what was it that like the Joni character was like summoning to like play these tricks? You know what I mean? Like in, well, in the I, seance, I don't think you know was, what I mean? I feel like she was just doing, you know, she, she was doing some kind of witchcraft, really? some kind of mumbo jumbo on her own. You know what I mean? I thought, I, I, I just assumed that she has kind of. You know, because she's in this like basically demon cult, like she has ways of contacting spirits and and having control over certain mm. spirits and entities that like, you know, that's what you know she was using that to kind of manipulate um, Annie's character. You know, because yeah, see, I she, thought of it, I thought of it far more as like a you know like a, just like trickery magician's really? trickery sort of stuff yeah not not that it wasn't like she wasn't doing some kind of like magical thing but like the magical stuff that she was doing was like of her own hmm. you know of her own will yeah i always thought she was i, I always looked at it as more like she acts she has communion with other entities she doesn't really have power in and of herself you know she's in Maybe. this cult that worships you know, these demons and, and other spirits and things like that. And so like, yeah, she was using them, you know, 
as a way of of you know securing and the the um, exchange of bodies to the, you know because the whole like you talked about the whole uh, the whole point of the movie was basically getting you know payment into from the body of Charlie into the body of of Peter right um, but yeah. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're wrong, and I hate you. Um, but uh, oh, what was I gonna say? Along those lines, shit, can't remember. Um, I know I was gonna say. So we haven't talked about Gabriel Byrne yet. He plays the husband. I do love me some Gabriel Byrne. He played Satan at one point. He did. Um, End of days. No. Yes. Is it end of days? Yeah. Okay. Um, which I don't know that I ever saw that. Um, we could do that one. <laughs> um, but it's the one of the things is in the days. In the days. Gabriel Burn. Come on. The, Turn the into Gabriel. the devil and fight me. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> um. One of the things that got cut from the movie, but was in the script, and they talk about it sometimes, like behind the scenes interviews and things, is that Tony Collette was, her character was supposed to have been Gabriel Byrne's former patient. Oh. So Gabriel Byrne is a psychiatrist in the movie, and he, and she was supposed to have been like, you know, somewhat disturbed. And she was. There's a lot of hints in the movie that she was, especially when the kids were younger, that she, she had. She had issues. Yeah, and the, and there's like the whole there's so one of the other things too that you know you don't immediately pick up on because again it's kind of like the movie has like it on if you look at it one way it's pretty simplistic has a fairly simplistic mm-hmm. plot but on the on the other hand there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of information thrown at you these characters have a lot of depth yeah and there's a lot and, of background and a lot of information about them yeah and a lot of it is done in a in a, you know very you know in a very just it's done in a very um i don't know it, it there's a lot of exposition for characters done in a very it's just very well done. It's it, it's yeah. it doesn't feel like necessarily like exposition, um, right? And so there's a scene, you know, we talked about um, Annie going to the kind of the grief, kind of griefs anonymous, <laughs> whatever you want to call. Um, yeah. And um, there's a there's a scene where she's talking about she kind of just ends up like spilling her guts to this group of people about her whole family history, kind of. And yeah. she talks about there's she mentioned at one point she mentions how her brother had schizophrenia, right? And and had accused his mother, so the grandmother character, of trying to put people inside of him, <laughs> <laughs> and and then he killed himself, and so. Yeah. You know, that's like one of those just that's like another one of those little Easter eggs that like you don't immediately you kind of hear it, you know, and that's when you're watching that scene the first time around. But you're like, OK, you don't really know what that means right. necessarily. And by the time it's all said and done, the movie's fucking over and all this shit is at right. the fan. You're 
I mean, it's hard to go back to these little moments like that and be like, oh, right. yeah, that's what that was. You know, so that's, again, it's where the multiple viewings kind of pay off. So, yeah, basically, you know, it's it's heavily implied that the grandmother character had or had already tried to, like, put, you know, put the, the you know payment into a male host. Her, right. Her her own son. Right. But it was unsuccessful and he had killed himself. Yeah. Um and so yeah, that's just another one of those like little things that's like, you know, that and just it's stuff like that that just like to me make this movie so that you know, it, it gives it that fun <laughs> element to it because there's so much details, there's so much backstory, there's there, there are so many things, you know, pieces of the puzzle that you don't, you know, meet when you're watching it for the first time, you don't understand, you know, and and so, yeah, that's that's one of the elements of the movie that I really that I really like, but yeah, and then and then the other thing that she mentions that kind of comes up later is that she, I think she mentions it in that scene. Maybe it's a different scene. Um, but she went into her son's room one time when her son and daughter were sleeping together in the bed when they were smaller and, and sleepwalked quote unquote and, and was standing there with a book of matches and had covered herself and them in paint thinner and was, it was basically going to light them all on fire. And as soon as she struck the match, she woke up. And she, the kids woke up freaking out. She blew the match out. And and then that kind of ha- – she has a dream about that later where she actually she actually does it to her and her son. Yeah. And there's a couple of things like that with her where you're kind of like, you know, she's – you know, kind of – number one, it's kind of red herring where you're like, she's got something fucked up going on with her. You right. Know, is she crazy? Is right, she right. – you know, what's going on with her? And I think – I don't know this, but, you know – through the things, you know, having watched the movie and kind of some some of the behind the scenes things and some of the interviews and stuff, my guess is, and my interpretation of that is that, like, in the back of her head, she knows what's happening. You know, she's got this idea, somehow, some way, she knows that her mom is crazy. You know, she knows that she knows that something is happening and in, in like doing that, like killing the kids would be the best thing yeah. for them Yeah, with, as opposed to that's what true. is actually coming. Yeah. And so I feel like that's, that's what that means. Like that, her struggles that's, having, you know, the, going back to Gabriel Byrne and her being her, his patient. And then the stories about sleepwalking, like she's got, I feel like she's got this, this kind of like subconsciously knows yeah. these things. Yeah. You that's know, interesting. She, she knows. I didn't really think about that where, you know, the reasoning for her um for her kind of maybe doing that was, you know, that yeah, she knew that the grand the grandmother's plan right was to basically, you know, obviously she wasn't aware or maybe she was aware that Charlie wasn't really Charlie. Right. Um and yeah, but yeah, she, you know, the idea of just like, yeah, her her knowing in the back of her mind that like the grandmother's plan was to, you know, basically put this, the spirit or whatever of this 
demon into one of their one of her children like that again going back to you know pet cemetery sometimes dead is better sometimes dead is better than being and then right. having your child's body possessed by a demon you know <laughs> what i mean like um yeah i mean i feel like you know that's she's got to i feel like th- th- that's got to be what it is because yeah, that makes sense i didn't really you know, she, put that together but yeah that makes sense she's just you know she's she's dealt with all of this kind of her whole life right and i feel like she doesn't get to that point without kind of knowing that somehow um and then you've got the whole like you know she tried to she kept peter away from her mother right you know and she never really says why she just said they had a bad relationship and like her mom was kind of crazy and she didn't really get along and had a falling out but you get the impression that you know maybe she subconsciously knows more than she's letting on or maybe she knows 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 more than she's letting on yeah um and then the same thing with charlie you know she kind of finally relents and you know lets her see her you know um so you wonder how much of that like you know maybe she she she's learned things in the past and maybe like you know they somehow made her forget or maybe yeah. she just chose not to really fully realize or, or who knows. But, um, I feel like that's really what that points to. Yeah. Yeah. That but, makes, that makes sense. I did that, you know, again, you know, there's, there's so much kind of going on in this movie, um, a lot to unpack and, and kind of, you know, piece together. Um, Gabriel and, Byrne. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently, yeah, so you know, apparently this movie had like, the original cut of this movie was like three hours. Good Lord. And um, and Ari Aster ended up, basically everything that's cut is just more like family drama. It's right. Not, none of, it's none of like the horror elements to it. Um, it's basically just more of like, and and more of like the just fucked up kind of drama between the family members. And, and he ended up just cutting that because it was like, it was just kind of overkill and it was, it just kind of killed the pacing of the movie. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I it mean, definitely felt like a, it, it definitely felt like a fast two hour. It's a pretty long movie, two hours and seven minutes. Yeah. It's pretty long for a horror film. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily like you know feel that way. Um, but talking to you know going back to kind of like all the little like Easter eggs and, and things like that. Um, I don't know if you mentioned. I don't know if you. Not, I know you didn't mention it. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, um, but the um, the emblem, like the the cult's emblem, that mm-hmm. it's on it's on the grandmother's necklace. Um, yeah that's like carved into the telephone pole. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So that's like carved into the telephone, telephone pole that ends up decapitating Charlie. You, but you see that before, um, right. Before like they even uh, on their way to that party. Um, right. And, um, and then, and like another little detail too, that was like, that I didn't even really pick up on either was, um, in the so when uh, so when Annie comes across Joni in the parking lot of like the art supply store, um, you can if you look 
if you look, you can see the chalkboard that was supposed to be like her grandson's chalkboard. Oh, it's like yeah. it's like still in its packaging in the car, like in that scene, apparently. Nice. And so just another hint that like, obviously, this is all like being orchestrated, like none of the, that was all bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, so there's there's just yeah. I mean, and it's crazy to think like, you know, when you look at a, you know, a movie like this, it's like, man, it, it's it takes so much to have a movie like so you know for a filmmaker to have a movie like this in their mind and and then to to you know execute it in this way i mean like he i mean he, he had this movie in kind of basically you know shot and edited in, in his mind like years before they, right. they filmed it he's just a very like he's a very meticulous prepared director he does he he you know creates an entire shot list he knows everything that he he you know need he wants to get um and so you know i mean it's it that's what to me is like so impressive about a movie like this and 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 what makes it so you know rewarding to watch multiple times is like there's so much detail there's yeah. so many little little things that he that he puts into place, and I think there's even like a there's uh, um so there's multiple scenes where Peter, the character of Peter, is like in his class in different classes, and yeah. there's like teachers talking and stuff like that. And I one of uh, one of the scenes, um, I think they mentioned I don't I can't remember what piece of literature they're talking about, but they mentioned something about like a character, basically seeing all of these like just or kind of ignoring all of these yeah. signs kind of you know right. warning him of you know his yeah. inevitable does kind it, of doom or whatever i can't remember what does it, was. it make it more more tragic or less tragic that he right that that he, that he doesn't notice right exactly. all these things pointing to his fate yeah yeah because yeah. yeah that that's the whole all the thing that you kind of talked about too was like the whole idea of fate like this is like all of this is like predetermined. It's you know, it's yeah, it's already been like this is gonna happen, right? And there's not much anybody can really do about it. You know what I mean? No. Um, and that's why I kind of you know, I the um, kind of talking about the you know, we haven't really talked about the music yet, but um, but Ari Aster kind of like directed the the composer Colin Stetson, basically saying like, I want this movie to just sound evil like from the very beginning like just from the get-go like because you know the first you know the first shot is of the treehouse which is that's right. that's where the movie ends <clears throat> and but it's in the house and and so like immediately like you're already you know in the house and so you get this and you already that the score is already has this kind of ominous, very ominous kind of feel to it. And then you, of course you have the, all the models and, and dioramas and stuff like that, that, you know, the Cindy Crawford, <laughs> stupid Kathy Ireland, you know, Kathy Ireland. the classic nineties mom. <laughs> <laughs> Tell how old I am. I know. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, 
there's, I mean, so I, I know you had some, I think you had some things to say about the music. Uh, I, we both did. I think we <laughs> I both, kind of, I both, we both kind of felt the same way about it is that, well, you go ahead. I was just going to I told you, I, I both love it and hate it. Yeah. So I hate in general, I hate ambient droning horror scores where it's just like just you know just random noises and droning cellos and it's like oh my god like give me some something yeah like it doesn't have to be traditional it doesn't have to be a traditional melody yeah. or fucking Cynthia john carpenter doesn't have to be that but it also doesn't need to just be nah. yeah um but i do there's two things there's some things i love about it too i do love so uh uh and i already forgot his name the composer colin Stetson. um colin Stetson, yeah um i do love and he did the vocals for this from what i understand i do love like the hungarian throat singing yeah the that stuff is creepy as hell and that is different it's droning still but it's different and it's pretty cool sounding and when that happens in the movie you're definitely like your butt you know something fucked up's about to happen your butthole puckers a bit yeah you're like oh shit (laughs) And it's cool too because like it's kind of you know I gotta shit. <laughs> it's cool too because you you don't really know that that starts to happen. It doesn't happen immediately in the movie. It happens kind of maybe toward the middle um, when you start getting that that sound come in because the droning and stuff kind of at the beginning I think is more like cello and instrumental and things like that. But when that comes in, you still don't know that it's like a cult thing and you don't really know that it's like a that it's like a you know um a supernatural i mean you know it's supernatural you know it's horror but you don't really know that it's like this cult that's kind of behind these things but that sound that kind of it's kind of like this creepy chanting that you associate with like this evil cult you know and so cool it's kind of cool how it ties the it ties in with that i, I like that yeah. so there's some stuff that i really really hated about it where i was and and it seems to it seems to happen it seems to just be continuous oh, through God. the movie. Yeah. like they'll just be it'll just be like a a, a family drama scene and it's just like yeah and you're just like why is there still a background <laughs> it's funny happening right now i didn't and i didn't pick up on that um on how prevalent that kind of background, kind of ambient, kind of droning. How much of how, how much of the movie consisted of that um, until this the, this most recent time that I watched it? Like yeah. I was watching it, and I'm like, oh my god! Like there's this whole it, it it like will and it'll just carry over from like one scene to the other and just yep. and just kind of like different. Yep. And just like holy shit, like it, it almost—it's funny because the first two times I watched it, totally didn't pick up with that at all. But the the this last time, knowing that it was there, I was like, it almost kind of. There was a couple times where I was like, it almost kind of just distracted me from the movie. Um, it be- distracted me a few times because on it was my so, first watch because it was like so prevalent, you know. 
it's good because I think it's unsettling. Yeah. And yeah. in the scenes where in the scenes where you could kind of relax, it c- continues that unease of yeah. just like, you know, but at the same time, I, I think that's my problem with it. I did find it distracting. There were times where once I noticed it, I was like, it's still happening. <laughs> and I couldn't like get it. Yeah. I couldn't ignore yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> but, you know, and then there's. But then there's some. He's got a couple, like the song at the end. Oh man, um, reborn. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. Is just That's be- amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's beautiful and haunting and just like it's haunting. Yeah, it's but it's the most like um, it's kind of like the the uh, it, it's like. Uh, it's, it's kind of it's like the uh, most... "Take My Breath Away" by Berlin. <laughs> it's the most palatable music in the entire yeah. movie, which is strange. It's very which traditional, is, which is strange, and it's there's something like beautiful about it, but it's strange because yeah. it's this like horrific scene of yeah, you know, bowing bodies, bowing See, headless bodies, and it's and, and just crazy shit, and you're like, but it has this it's kind weird of, like, though transcendent quality to it. It's weird though because I don't know. It's like so this I'm going to I'm going to get real deep here. I don't know how deep. I feel like I'm going to get real deep here. So let's see how this goes. Give it to me. I feel like Give it to going me. back Give to what to I said deep. earlier. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like going back to what I said earlier about how this movie's tragic and it's bleak, but it's not like so awful that you couldn't watch it again and that it ends on this and, and then once you've gotten through it it's kind of easier to watch um and i think one of the reasons for that and going back to the music kind of ties in with that i feel feel like that last scene um really kind of takes the dissonance of this awful situation and this terrible stuff that this family goes through and in a perverse way like fixes it yeah like everything like it's not a happy ending but it's an everything is going to be okay now ending. it's over yeah you know what i mean so going back to the whole idea of like they're not going to escape their fate they've not escaped their fate and we know that and it's done but it's done now right you know, right. these people are, it, it's done. They're gone. <laughs> Everything has happened the way it was yeah. intended to happen. Yeah. And, and then you kind of, you kind of shift your focus from, you know, again, you kind of follow, it does a really good job of having you follow these characters when they're on screen, like really feeling for them. And now you feel like for the cult almost, you kind of feel like this within the music then ties into that. Yeah. It goes from this dissonant, like kind of like jarring stuff to like this kind of more melodic. Yeah. Like, and you kind of feel this like re- triumphant, like, yeah. Hey, you don't feel good about it. I'm not saying this is a happy, happy moment, but you feel this kind of like relief of like, Oh, yeah. it's done now. You know? Yeah. We're, we can, we can, I can, I can, rest <laughs> but you as the audience are resting because the anxiety is over the movie's ending right whereas like you but you're sympathizing with the cult in that way because they're resting now because their plight is over they've right. they've accomplished their goal right you know right. so it's a very interesting 
Yeah. So I don't know how deep that got, but that's no, kind of, no, that you know, makes per- that kind of ties in with what I was saying earlier, and it ties in with the whole fate thing, and it and it kind of also goes along with why that's like the one few melodic yeah. pieces yeah. to the movie is because it it's 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 the it's the it's the 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 finishing touch. Yeah. It's the 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 chords no longer are dissonant. They're they're melodic. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, yeah, that makes. I mean, I don't. I think that makes perfect sense, you know. Um, All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, and to me, um, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't know any other way you could end this movie. Like, that would, uh, to me, this is a saddest, like, even though it's fucked up. Right. It's, there is something oddly kind of sa- satisfying. satisfying about the way that the movie ends and and it's 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 the anti m night Shyamalan. <laughs> everything in this movie is telling you from the very beginning this is what's going to happen <laughs> there's no escaping it there is no escaping it there is no twist there's no twist for better or worse coming for these people yeah. there just is what is and 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 it's and in that way it's very authentic and it's like and like you said it's satisfying yeah it's like it's coming it's coming it's coming and then it comes and you're like okay okay fine <laughs> okay fine okay fine thank you and then you hang out and then you watch the credits for ten minutes hoping for a post credit scene where it's like <laughs> you know Tony Collette's still alive or something and they don't give it to you nope. I don't know why not I don't know why these horror movies are not giving me post credit scenes but. <laughs> We've just been, we've just been trained into into thinking that every movie should have a post credit sequence. Every movie God, should have God it. God damn it, Mark! I want to see the. I, w- I wanted to see Thomason show up Thomason. in a DeLorean at the in a, DeLorean, in a, in a, in a post credit scene for Hereditary. Oh my God! And be like with a with a with a crossbow on her back and be like, "Are you payment?" <laughs> And Peter be like, yeah. And her be like, we've got to save your kids. <laughs> Get in, loser. We're going to the Get future. Get in, loser. We're going to the future. So speaking of Thomason, I did kind of want to touch a little bit on um, the similarities, actually, between Her- yes. Hereditary and, and The Witch. Um, so we talked about they're both, you know, obviously they're both feature-length directorial writing debuts um yeah from for a couple of meticulous sons of bitches yeah, yeah they're both really meticulous i mean you got to be meticulous to be a director for a feature of you know a direct write and direct a feature film but good lord yeah so ari aster obviously did hereditary robert eggers did uh the witch um they're both a24 productions mm-hmm. they both had uh, really strong marketing campaigns. Um, and they were both really successful at the box office. Um, yeah. which made the witch made uh, 40 million off of a $4 million budget. Hereditary made 80 million off of a $10 million budget. Um, but this movie had a $10 million budget. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean the miniatures alone. <laughs> but true so uh, interestingly the guy that did the miniatures he was initially he initially came onto the project to do the prosthetics and makeups 
makeup effects. Right. And and he was like, oh, I see you're, you know, I see you've got some, you know, miniatures that you need for this film. And Ari Aster was like, oh, do you know someone? And he's like, well, actually, <laughs> I can do that. And so he ended up, uh, I can't remember his name right now. Um, and that man's name was Paul Harvey. <laughs> oh, shit. I can't remember his name. I feel terrible. Um, but yeah, look it up. Uh, he's worked on a lot of, a lot of big films. Um, doing ver- Rick Baker? doing various things, but uh, I mean Stan Winston. No, uh, but um, the be yeah. So the other thing is that so the the big thing is so those are all kind of like okay yeah, you know. But the big things that like the big similarities are um, so they both center around fa- a family, you know, mm-hmm. with the witch you've got you know Thomason and you know her parents and the siblings. Um, and then you've got, you know, the family here in hereditary. Um, and, but there's in both films, there's a character who is kind of, um, blamed for, for the death of another character. Mm-hmm. Um, in both, and in both cases, it's the, the death of a sibling of that character. Mm-hmm. And that causes a rift in the family, which ultimately results in the family turning on each other. Um, and in both films, you have an outside force that is at work that is manipulating the family. In The Witch, mm-hmm. you've got Black Phillip and and the witches. Um, BP. And then, and then and obviously, in, in Hereditary, you've got the cult. Um, and in both films, all members of the family, except for that that one person, end up dead by the end of the movie. <laughs> yep. So Thomas and Peter are the sole survivors. Um and which it's arguable whether either of them actually survived. Um Thomason gives herself over to the cult or to the coven. Yeah, I think she willingly. I think she survives. She's just so she wish, she signs you know. her soul away. Yeah, yeah, true. And Peter loses Peter basically loses his soul. Right. He's no longer Peter. Right. So it's not that either one of them dies or ceases or well Peter, you could guess, you could say Peter ceases to exist. But, but that kind of brings me to my... They kind of... Oh, sorry. Both. They kind of both, you know... that Well, that kind of are, brings me to, to my next my next point was that those sole survivors in both movies undertake a transformation. Right. So, in The Witch, Thomason signs Black Phillip's book and becomes a witch, aligns herself with, you know, the devil and becomes a witch. And in Hereditary, Peter becomes... You know, a gremlin possessed by <laughs> by payment. Um, oh, and both films end with said malevolent outside forces in a nude ceremony. <laughs> yep, <laughs> uh, the naked witches and by the of, fire, and, of, yeah, and and then naked cult members. And both of those, again, are kind of, even in The Witch, going back to what I mentioned earlier, but even in The Witch, that final scene is kind of, again, a little bit triumphant, a little bit satisfactory. You know, it's... it's, She's literally being raised up, you know, like she's levitating in the air and and she's kind of smiling and laughing, even though it's kind of, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... Which is interesting. It is interesting that they're... How how similar um, they are, but I mean, I know um, 
that that all of that has to be coincidence because uh, Ari Aster had been working on this for you know years before oh, yeah. you know the movie was yeah. made, and they I mean they came out two years apart, but yeah, so it's just kind of um, it, it's just kind of a weird kind of coincidence that the, the similarities, yeah. but it's interesting nonetheless. It is. Um, I was going to say, speaking of of uh, Peter. Um, one of the things I was going to mention about the acting in this movie. So, I mean, obviously Tony Collette should have won an Oscar yeah. for this movie. Wasn't even nominated. Or at least been fucking nominated. Yeah. yeah. Um, instead of Melissa McCarthy. Oh my God. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, she's fantastic. Yeah. But really, I mean, Alex Wolf yeah. as Peter in this movie, I mean, is just... The scenes that he's in are the ones that are the most, some of the most devastating. He does get a little, I don't want to sound like a complete asshole here because I couldn't have done it any better, but um, he does get a little annoying in kind of like a, you know, screaming, crying kind of way. And, but, you know, it's kind of, but it's also kind of realistic because, you know, he's supposed to be a 16 year old kid and you know that faced with some of these things, a 16 year old kid would act like a 10 year old kid. They would act like a child and not an adult. So it kind of felt natural, but it also kind of came across at times for me a little like, you know, grating, yeah. you know, when he was kind of like screaming, crying yeah, yeah. during a couple things. But um, but it was also believable in the context of what was happening. Yeah, um, I thought so too. I thought it was almost like one of those things where it was like, it, it, it almost seemed like it... it like the crying and like the kind of blo- some of his like crying and blubbering almost like yeah. was like yeah almost more like a child than like a yeah a, a late teenager you know um right but there was almost kind of something about that so it was like i agree like in, in certain ways it was almost kind of like it was like a bit much and i was like what the hell is this guy's like this kid's yeah. like 18 years old like <laughs> But right. at the same time, it the situations are so fucked up, and yeah. and it and that that kind of weird, uncomfortable kind of quality to it, I think, almost kind right. of added something. Um, yeah. and, and like you said, made it almost kind of more believable. Where it was like yeah. he wasn't trying to be like this like tough guy, you know, or it was like yeah. it was like. It was almost like the exact opposite, and, and so there was in like, that way, he, it was kind of he played it. He played like a re- a regression to it. Yeah, you know, he yeah. he played like right. you know right. he was regressing, right? Which and, which made sense. And I'm sure that was all very obviously very much intentional. Um, yeah, but so the other thing the other thing I was going to say about him is he's a method actor. Yeah, which I don't know that he always is a method actor, but he he used method acting for this movie, and we've not talked about method acting for any of our no. Um, episodes yet um but method actors are fucking crazy uh yeah so if you don't know what method acting is you essentially don't break character you right st- you stay as that character throughout the entirety of the production um, which i think to me is a little ridiculous but it yeah it's it's just a way and there's more to it than that but that's what that's what people think of um and but you know, a lot of these tragic stories of people who, you know, 
go into deep depressions or harm themselves or end up dying or overdosing on drugs and alcohol. These actors who have some of these crazy stories, a lot of them, you know, not a lot of them, but there's a chunk of them that are method actors who just get lost in these roles because it's fucking hard to put yourself in this mindset 24-7. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's, he, what this means is he essentially pretended like this was really happening to him throughout the entirety of the production. Yeah. And put himself in the mindset of like he had killed his sister right. throughout the entire production. And like that that his family was going to shambles throughout the entire production. I mean, this is a difficult thing to do. Um, and so it's just – that's just – that always is something that I find really interesting that people commit to that. And, and, and he even said that it was not easy to go there. But that, you know, like people like Ari and and Tony and people like that who are, you know, they're supporting him and, and letting him know that it's okay to get to those places yeah. and that they'll be there to, to help him back out is good. But he actually went so far as like, I mean, Ari called him Peter throughout the entire thing. I mean, that's and, – and it wasn't until the move, the production was over that he was actually like symbolically was like, hi, everybody. My name is Alex. Like introduced himself to the crew kind of because he, he had been ridiculous. Peter through the entire thing, but, which is a bit ridiculous, yeah. right? But it's – but it's – it is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, and I feel like – I guess the one thing I – the reason I bring it up is because I feel like people – I feel like people do blow it off a little bit. Um. You know, like like you look at Heath Ledger, you know, for the for the Dark Knight. I mean, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger was a notorious method actor, if I remember correctly. I could be making this yeah, up. Yeah, but, I, but I'm pretty actually, sure he was. Oh, sorry. I, I was just gonna say I've actually read stuff that said that that was kind of like a myth. That like like you know, talking about the when he played the Joker in the Dark Knight, right? That that was not really true. He wasn't really like that. As soon as like the camera would cut, he would be he would be talking to the crew like a normal person. And, and so like I've heard different accounts. So that's a bad example. I, I've heard different accounts from that. I mean, I don't know how much of it is yeah. true. Obviously no one can really say if you weren't really there. Um, right. But yeah, but, but that's a bad example then. But there, there is a lot of cases where, where, where it, it gets, it, it, it can weigh on you psychologically to be in that headspace. If you want a bad example for an extended period of time. <laughs> if you want a bad example of method act- acting, look at the other. Look at one of the other actors who has played the Joker, <laughs> Jared Leto. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a different. That's a whole different thing. Um, but it's the the point is, you know, it's easy to blow it off and be like, oh, these guys are just pretending for a living and blah blah yeah. blah. But my, my point is. To put yourself in that kind of headspace for that extended period of a time, if that's your if that's your way of working, yeah. is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it definitely it definitely worked for him in this role because it's it's heavy. Yeah. You know, his performance I mean, yeah, no, is heavy. He, he's he's really good in it. Um I mean just like some of the sh- <laughs> I mean, seriously, just like some of the shots of his fucking face, like, you know, like Right. It's just like I mean, you just look at him and you're like, oh my, like, he's just, you can just see it. Like, you can just, yeah, you can see the weight of, like, just, like, everything uh, that's going through that character, you know, in the movie. And, and yeah, I read something, too, where he was, he kind of, like, the way that uh, some of the stuff that I, like, the interviews and stuff I read with him, like, he was like, I, he basically kind of came out and was like, I know that this can sound pretentious, um, 
And, you know, like, because ultimately actors have pretty cushy jobs. Like, this is what right. he said. And he's like, but he's like, he's like, but I, he's like, this is, I think he said something like, basically, like, this was about as, uh, I don't know if he said, like, this is about as, like, basically, like, un unhealthy of, like, <laughs> of, like, a, uh, just the the experience that he had with like, with uh, with shooting the movie. You're really, like, you're really coherent right now. I know. I can't. I'm trying to. I'm trying to describe. <laughs> like, I, I don't have. I don't have the quotes in front of me. But like, yeah, he was basically saying like, look, I get it. Like, actors are. Where are your notes? Actor, I know. Actors are actors. Like these, you know, you're just acting. This is not like a, you know, it's a relatively cushy job, but right. You know, the way that he decided to approach this, you know, for himself, you know, it, it was extreme and and he suffered from it, you know, but, yeah. you know, he probably pushed himself too far with it, you know, yeah. um, but but I mean, it's a I mean, it's a great performance and um, yeah, and that's that's my point is with method acting, I mean it's easy to be like an actor is an actor. It's an easy job, blah, blah, blah. Um, to use your quote, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, when, when they take it on, like in that way, it's, it's, you know, if you, if you're going to tell yourself something 10 times a day, eventually it's going to feel real, Yeah, you know? And that's, it stops, it stops being healthy at some point. Right. And, you know, it turns out good work, but it's, could be very harmful to the individual. So, and especially for him, he's a young guy, right. you know? Yeah. Cause to then shit, he was, put himself in that position. I think he was only like, what, 19, 19 or 20, 12, something like that. 12, 12. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, some of the most devastating scenes in this movie outside of, you know, uh, you know, Charlie being decapitated, obviously, um, are just some of the uh, dialogue exchanges between the family members <laughs> are yeah. just so, you know, brutal. Um, it just yep. devastating, you know, things that they say to each other, particularly um, the mom, particularly Annie to, to Peter. Um, yeah. You know, there's the, there's the famous scene at the dinner table. And, um, and then there's another scene that's, I mean, I think you end up realizing is a dream. It's like her sleepwalking, where she right. she sleepwalks into Peter's room, and basically tells him like that she never wanted to have him, <laughs> like that she tried right. that she tried to have an abortion, like she tried to like kill him essentially, yeah. like when he was like, you know, after she found out she was pregnant, which is another thing that you know we talked about where you know she yeah. knew all along. What was going right. on? Subconsciously, subconsciously she, really she knew. knew, and and she was trying to, you know, that yeah, to try and trying to end it before it even started, um, which you know that's is really disturbing. But um, but yeah, there's just there are things that the characters say to each other that it's that are so devastating because you know people do that in real life. <laughs> people say terrible things to right. each other, things that cannot be unsaid. You know things that cannot right. be undone, and um, 
And so, you know, it, it's it's moments like that in this film that I think really is what give it its power, um, you know, and make it, you know, such a, such a strong emotional film. It's not, I yeah. mean, it's, yeah, you got the horrific, you, know, you got the, the horror elements and stuff like that that stick with you too, but a lot of it is just like the relationships, you know, between the characters and, and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if you had sexual relationships. What was that? Sexual relationships. Sexual. <laughs> I don't know if you had anything else to add. Um, no. So that that's, that's hereditary for you. That's it's it. A fucked up movie. It's pretty fucked. It's up. a great. I mean, it's a great. It's movie. a great movie. I mean, and and when if you when you look at it as like you know this is his first feature length film, it's super impressive. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he what else he does. I mean, I've seen Midsummer. You haven't, right? I have not. Yeah. I mean, I I I personally prefer Hereditary to Midsummer, but. Um, but it's 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 another one that's worth watching for sure. Scott Florence Pugh it does, and, and and she's pretty great. And in that way, I feel like Midsummer is kind of similar to the Witch, just in that sense where of like, you know, when I saw that movie, I had no idea who that actress was. Just like I didn't know who yeah. Anya Taylor Joy was, you know. And both, and now she, you know, Florence Pugh, she's got, she's had quite a. I mean, since then, she's had a pretty successful career and has been in a lot of stuff. And yeah. so, but, but yeah, well, that's hereditary. That's Thanks it. for listening. And, uh, we'll see you scare next time. You oh, we'll scare you later. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>